The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Isn't it wonderful? We met the gathering goal. We sing a song that says, I decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, standing on the promises. I think it all kind of leads into the message that God laid upon my heart to share with you this morning. So with that, good morning, Grace. Happy New Year to all. Hope you had a good one. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us for each of us to be here this morning and worship with you. And Father, I ask that you open our hearts that we may hear and receive your word and be doers of your word, not only hearers of your word. And let us put into practice on Monday, Father, what we hear and learn here on Sunday. Amen. Now, as I prayed and meditated upon to God, what should be my message? What does God want us to say to this congregation, first message of 2019? It's kind of a challenge. And I continually was being pointed to the work and ministry and the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples. You see, for three and a half years, the disciples always had Jesus by their side. Whenever they had trouble, Jesus was always there to explain things, elaborate on things. If they didn't understand something, he would explain. And towards the end of his ministry, the apostles gathered in the upper room. Jesus shared the Last Supper with them. And then Jesus on a donkey entered Jerusalem triumphantly. Do you guys remember that story? People were laying their clothes down on the streets, cutting down branches, laying them down. They were yelling, Hail, King of Israel. And I'm pretty certain that the apostles at that point felt pretty confident that finally Jesus is going to take his place as the king. And they're going to take some kind of part in this kingdom. So they felt pretty, pretty motivated, pretty positive. But it all came down, crushing down on them just a couple of days later. Unexpectedly, even though Jesus warned them several times of things to come, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own. The same crowd that was yelling, Hail Jesus, was now yelling, Nail Jesus. They were lost. Jesus was crucified, killed. Disciples scattered, they ran away. They were scared. Later, disciples did get together, and they didn't know what to do. They felt abandoned, confused. How can one of their fellow disciples that had been with them three and a half years betray Jesus? Maybe they already heard that they were being accused of stealing the body of Jesus from the tomb. They are afraid of the Jews, that they might come after them. And in John 20, 19, that's what, exactly what it says. When the door, doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled... For the fear of the Jews. Disciples had more questions than answers trying to figure out where do we go from here? What do we do? They were used to having their leader Jesus with them to point them in the right direction to help them. Well, Jesus didn't fail. Jesus showed up. And in John 20, 21, so Jesus said to them, peace to you. And now here's the great incredible statement, one of the most important in my estimation from the mouth of our Lord Jesus 
Savior says this to all his followers. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Instead of sitting around and being fearful of the Jews, there's work to be done. There's work that needs to be done. In plain English, we are be doing what the Father sent Jesus to do. A week ago, I received an email, and the subject of the email said CM. And the person shared his perspective of the recent events here that happened at Grace. And it stated in the Army to have an acronym that stands CM. Basically, it says, continue mission. Well, what's our mission? What is our mission? Friends, we are sent by Jesus in the same way that the Father has sent Jesus to this world. Don't forget, Jesus came to us. He didn't wait for us to come to Him. He descended from heaven, took a form of a man, ministered in villages and towns where people lived. Jesus took the initiative. He sacrificed comfort. Imagine Jesus up in heaven, in all His glory, has to come down as a man, take a form of His own creation. That's pretty much insulting. But He did it. He sacrificed comfort. But too many of us, we shout advice to drowning men from the safety of the shore. But that's not how Jesus did it. He dove in. He swam out to us. You know, Dan played a wonderful, wonderful, one of my favorite hymns, Standing on the Promises. But a lot of us are just sitting on the premises. That's what we're doing. We need to understand that the church is the body. Jesus is the head. And it's through us, the members of this body, that Lord Jesus reaches the world today. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work. And the function of the church is to be an instrument through, through which the Holy Spirit deals with people about what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. It is through us, the members of this church, of all the churches, that God brings people to Christ. As people respond to the gospel, put their faith in Christ, we point them to the word of God to assure that their sins are forgiven. You know, when the Messages I kind of remember from Pastor Craig, and he shared, he said that grace is the best kept secret in Vesterville. Friends, that should not be so. And I pray that going in 2019, it won't be so. We should not be a secret. This morning, I want you to imagine the Lord Jesus Christ looking right into your eyes, putting hands on your shoulders, and saying the exact same words he told his apostles. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I want you to hear Jesus saying that to you. Now, with that in mind, I want to look at five things that were true about Jesus that should be true about us. Number one, His mandate should be our mandate. What did the Father send Lord Jesus Christ to do? 1 John 4.14 says this, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior to the world. He didn't come as a great teacher, economist, or something else. He didn't come as a great politician. Father sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. 
And John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son unto the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. So what's the mandate that the Son have from the Father? My Son, go on a mandate, get people saved. What's the mandate that I have this morning? What's the mandate that you have this morning? In Psalm 26, 6, we read these words. These words. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. That's our job. That's our duty. That's our opportunity. And in Daniel 12, 3, we read these words. Those... Uh, and those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. You know, I watch a lot of documentaries when I can't fall asleep at night. And I watched about uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. And you know, the, the sacrifice these great basketball greats made in their life to be great, to be who they are. They invested their entire lives into this sport. And you know, I like basketball, I like football. To watch it all, just like I'm sure many of you. But I say let the basketball players have their fame. Football players have their fame. Hollywood stars have their fame. But I want to tell you something. If you're smart, you'll be a soul winner. If you're going to heaven, you better start investing your life in the only other things that are going to heaven. That is the souls of people. The mandate that the Jesus had from the Father is the mandate we have from the Father. And that is we're getting men, women, women, boys, girls ready for heaven. Second thing is his mission is to be our mission. Well, his mandate really tells us what his mission was, but his mission was really fourfold. Number one, Jesus came to reveal to God, God the Father. That was one of his missions, to reveal God the Father. And John 14, 9 says, Jesus said to them, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? The Bible says that the Jesus came to this world to manifest the Father. Now, that was the mission of Lord Jesus. That's my mission. I am to manifest Lord Jesus, who manifests the Father. In some measure, my job is to reveal God in Christ. You know, I visited a church, and they somewhat had a revival service, and their pastor was preaching about, you know, letting Jesus into your heart. And after church, him and I went to lunch, and their song tag along. And he was in a car, and he was asking his dad all these annoying questions, you know, one of those, why this, why that? And he asked him, how big is Jesus? And his dad said, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Well, is he bigger than you? Well, I don't suppose so. Well, is he bigger than Cornet? And to kind of settle him down, he said, maybe he is biggest Cornet. And the kid says, well, if I ask Jesus into my heart, isn't he going to stick out? My friends, if you have Jesus in your heart, he will stick out. It will show. Jesus came to reveal the Father, so my mandate is to reveal the Father and Lord Jesus. So it's my job, my duty, not to only share the gospel, but to exemplify the gospel. Matthew 5.16 says this, Let your light shine before men that they see, may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Second, he came to redeem the lost. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was lost. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners for who I am chief. He didn't come as a great healer, miracle worker. He came to save sinners. His mission, reveal the Father, redeem the lost. Next is raise the church. Raise the church. In Matthew 16, 18, he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. To raise the church. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, For we, that is you and I, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. He came to build the church, not the church building, the church. We are the church. And so his mission is to be my mission, to reveal God, redeem men, raise the church. And if you love Lord Jesus, you're going to love what Lord Jesus loves. And he loves the church. He died for it. And fourth, he came to ruin Satan. He came to bring Satan's kingdom crashing down. And you and I are soldiers. 1 John 3, 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he came to raise the church. To ruin Satan. Now, his mandate is my mandate. His mission is my mission. And then his method is to be my method. Well, what was the method Jesus Christ used? Incarnation. Incarnation. Philips 2.7, Philippians 2.7 says this, But made himself of noble reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Now, Jesus came, became human, so he can come down and make contact with us. You see, he didn't stay up there in heaven and dispense salvation in some kind of package through FedEx, UPS, Amazon. He came down. He didn't wait for us to come to him because we wouldn't come to him. So he came to us. He took human flesh, came down here, dwelt among us. That was his method. Now, we have this beautiful facility here, Grace. Believe me, we do. Big facility. But don't get the idea if we have a facility like this, even we have big programs, we have wonderful music, the lost is just going to come to church. That's not how it works. We shouldn't expect the lost to come to saved. Study the Bible, you won't find one shred of Scripture that commands a lost person to go to church. But you, what you will find is, the church is told over and over and over to go to the lost. And we sit around and think it's strange, people don't come. I mean, folks, it's hard for us to get to church sometimes, isn't it? And we want to come, you know, uh, especially if you have those little ankle biters, kids. Change the diaper, you're working on another one. By the time you fix the other one, you've got to change the diaper again. Somebody's hair is not cooperating. Somebody forgot to brush their teeth. The shoes are on the opposite feet. Sometimes we lose our religion on the way to church, you know. But... And we want to come. 
But what about those who have no desire to come? What was Jesus' method? He came to where the sinners were, and we are to bring them in, compel them to come. And friends, there are thousands, thousands of people in this very city that will come if you go and share gospel with them. They would be saved. Now, if that's if somebody says it's not true, you know what that says about you? You've never been going. You've never been going. So over and over, the Bible tells us to go. Really, you can put the Bible in two verbs, come and go. You come to Jesus, and you go to the world. Now, there's a key word there is separation. Some people say, well, the Bible says separate us from the world. Well, separation does not mean isolation. It does not mean isolation. We are not to go to preach at people. We are to go and share the gospel with people, friends. And I have a friend, uh, you know, before I get there, I think the problem of many of us is we think that we served God when we come to church. We think we, coming to church, we did God a favor. We served him. And uh, let me share a story with you. I have a friend that's a, he likes farming for a hobby. Very hard worker. And I don't know what anybody that likes farming as a hobby. It's hard work. So I asked him if he was always a farmaholic. And he shared a story with me. He said when he was little, he was so, so motivated to help his dad on the farm, but his dad wouldn't help him because he wasn't old enough. And finally, when he reached the age where he can help, his dad woke him up early in the morning. It's, it was still dark. He said the floor was cold. You know, we went out. We milked the cows. We fed the chickens. We chopped the wood. And we finally came back and had a big breakfast, and he was heading back to bed. And his dad said, son, where are you going? He said, well, all this work got me tired. He said, we didn't do any work. What we did was just the chores. The work's out there in the field. And friends, the work is out there in the field. When we come to church, we're just so tired. This is just the chores. This is not work. This is the chores. This is where we come to get our batteries charged. The work is out there in the field. I visit a church, and as you leave the church grounds, there's a sign that says, you are now entering the mission field. That's a very, very good way of looking at it. You're entering now the mission field. You know, I was in ESL class. It's English, second language. And I had this teacher that you probably will never forget for the rest of my life. Her name's Mishria. And every time you use improper English, still do, but every time you use it, she will correct you in front of everybody. And we were going on a field trip, and I said, I ain't going. I said, no, you, sir, listen to me. I am not going. You are not going. He is not going. They are not going. She says, do you understand? And before I could say anything, the kid next to me said, yeah, there ain't nobody going. <laughs> and that's the way the church is. You know why we're the best kept secret? Don't get mad. Be honest with you. Because there ain't nobody going. Ain't nobody going. Folks, that was the method that Jesus used. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He took the message where the people were. Why? Because he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to really think about this. But don't answer it out loud. When you go home, think about it. When was the last time you wept over a lost soul? Friend, relative, co-worker, 
where he actually wept. Look at what Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Acts 20, 31. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, day and night, night and day, with what? Tears. Jeremiah 9 1 says, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. That is, for those who have died without Christ. Now, his mandate is our mandate, his mission is our mission, his method is our method. And the fourth thing I want to talk to you about is his message should be our message. His message is to be our message. Let me tell you about the message of Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that Lord Jesus was really easy to understand? That is, if you wanted to know the truth. The Bible says common people heard him gladly. You don't have to carry a dictionary to understand Jesus. His preaching was very simple, very direct, very easy to understand. It might have been hard to swallow for some, but it wasn't hard to understand. Every now and then you might hear some preach, somebody preach, and especially when I went to youth conference, and some of the youth say, well, he's, that guy was deep. I said, really? What'd you get out of his message? He's like, I don't know. That's why I didn't understand him. He was deep. Friends, because the river's muddy doesn't mean it's deep. The Bible says concerning the message of salvation, it is very, very simple. Isaiah 35, 8. Look what it says regarding the message of salvation. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks in the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Now, I'm not calling anybody fools. Got a problem, take it out with God. It says, although a fool shall not go astray. Now, what that literally means, he's talking about the gospel road. That means a stranger without good sense can find his way on the gospel road. Does God want people saved? Did God put instruction in the word of God how to be saved? Now, let me ask you a question. If your child or loved one was lost, and you can get them a message. Would you make it complicated to find their way back? Would you send it in Greek? Would you send it in Jimojis? Or would you just make it as plain as you could to come back home? You'll make it as plain as you could. You'll make it as plain as you could. Now, the gospel is not so high up that only a few can reach. But it is so low that some will not get down to it. That's what it is. Matthew 11.25 says this. At the time Jesus answered and said. I thank you Father Lord of heaven and earth. That you've hidden these things. From the wise and prudent. And have revealed them to the babes. And what we need to do is. Give a simple glorious message of Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a PhD to understand it. You don't have to understand. You know, most people aren't PhDs. And I like the way Billy Sunday described this. Billy Sunday said, put the cookies on the lower shelf because Jesus said, feed my sheep, not giraffes. What was the message of Jesus? What was the simple message of Jesus? I don't have time to read it now, but read John chapter 3. I believe it's in your bulletin. 
John chapter 3. Just read from the beginning. I think Mike shared it with us. The very first thing, must be born again. Sometimes people want to get in theology. They want to go into step 10, 11, 12 without taking the first step. John chapter 3, that's the simple message. Again, gloriously simple, simply glorious, plain, wonderful truth. And you have to understand, the world is hungering for this truth. They are. And his message should be our message. And fifth, I want to talk about Jesus' motive. What motivated Jesus? His motive should be our motive. But really, his motive was also fourfold. First of all, Jesus was motivated by obedience. God's Son was obedient to God the Father. Philippians 2, 7, 9, 7 through 9, I want to read. But made himself of no reputation, taken the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death and even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Made himself no reputation. Know some of the reasons some of us don't witness? We're afraid what other people are going to say about us. We're afraid we're going to ruin our reputation. What the world says about us today will not matter. It's not important. But what is important is what God's going to send, talk to you about and think, give his opinion of you in the end. Friends, that's going to be infinite importance of what the Lord Jesus says about you. Jesus was not concerned with all that. Think about it. Everybody threw whatever they wanted at Jesus when he ministered. He was criticized, falsely accused of things. He didn't care about that. He knew what his mission was. He knew what his mandate was. He knows why he came. And what, was he, what motivated him? Obedience. Now, if you're not striving to win people to Christ or win souls to Christ or talk to people about Christ, and you're saved, I want to tell you, you're being disobedient. You're being disobedient. Some people say, well, God didn't call me to be a pastor or a preacher. My friends, has nothing to do with it. Every Christian is a disciple. Doesn't matter what you're doing in church or what your position is in church, regular member, janitor, pastor, whatever, sharing the gospel, bringing people to Christ is in everybody's job description. Every Christian's job description. And I'm telling you, God has called each of us and said, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Secondly, he was motivated by love. I see the Lord Jesus there on the Mount of Olives. He was going down to the temple. He saw the temple there, saw the beautiful city, golden Jerusalem. And what happens? He begins to cry. And Matthew 23, 37 says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as hens gathers her chicks under the wings, but you were not willing. Jesus was heartbroken. Jesus was motivated by love. He was moved with compassion. 
tell you another thing that he was motivated by, necessity. Jesus Christ knew it was absolutely, totally necessary to fulfill his mission. He said in John 3.14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, God had no other plan. If Jesus not obeyed, Jesus not fulfilled the Father's mandate, there was no backup. And I want to tell you, there is no backup for evangelizing to the world. He has committed that to us, not the angels, not nobody else. And if we fail, there is no other plan. Jesus motivated by obedience, motivated by love, motivated by necessity. And fourth thing, motivated by joy. Motivated by joy. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, for the joy, was set before him endured the cross. For the joy to endure the cross? What? Despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was that joy that was set before him? It was you. It was me. That was the joy. What did Apostle Paul say? Thessalonians 2.19. Look at what Apostle Paul says. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. What will be Paul's joy when Jesus comes? Be the joy of those who he led to Christ. You know, there's an old hymn. Sorry, I'm a hymn kind of guy. There's words like this. Must I go empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Without one soul with which to greet him? Must I empty-handed go? When you stand in front of Jesus, what will be your joy? Besides being saved, of course. Psalm 26.6, again, I want to remind you. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, soul winning is like farming. You bear precious seed. The seed is the word of God. You share it. You water it with your tears. Not every seed will sprout. But some will. You will win somebody to Christ. So I want you to imagine going into 2019. Jesus with both hands on your shoulders looking you in your eye and says, As my Father sent me, I also send you. Now, don't be disobedient to this heavenly command. Make a full and total surrender to Christ. We need to learn how to share the gospel. You know how you share the gospel? Somebody gave me advice. He said, you don't need to study and all that kind of stuff. That has its place and you should do that. But to share the gospel is this. It's basically one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's all gospel is. That's all witnessing is. We're called to be witnesses, right? Who's been in the courtroom? What, what does a witness do? What's the job of a witness? To state what they heard, what they've seen, what they felt. That's it. Share what Jesus did in your life. What did you hear? What happened? Doesn't mean it's going to happen for them, but that's where you can start. And a lot of us don't witness because maybe we didn't hear anything. We didn't see anything. 
would just come sit and soak sour. Just check mark. You know, Oswald Smith, he's a Canadian pastor. And I take these words to heart. He said this, A church that does not evangelize will fossilize. A church that does not evangelize will fossilize. If we don't go, we won't grow. And we will not be fulfilling our duty as a church to what Lord Jesus instructed us to do. A living church is the one who remembers the past. It lives in the present and works for the future. If we're not reaching for the future, we have no future. The gospel is not something we only go to church to hear. It is to go from the church to tell. And I pray that that will be our theme going into 2019. I want to close in this poem. It's called Beautiful Feet. Having beautiful feet is obeying the Great Commission, being faithful to the Savior's calling and being on the mission. Having beautiful feet is proclaiming the good news to all who will hear, remembering Jesus died for all, and to Him every soul is dear. Oh, the beautiful are the feet of those who witness for God's glory, the faithful servants whose purpose is to tell the gospel story. Dear Jesus, please give me beautiful feet. Help me to care about souls and not be asleep. So it's the first sermon. 2019. Whatever we're doing, I want you guys, or whoever, whatever happens, that should be your slogan for 2019. As my Father has sent me, I also send you. You know, sometimes people are looking for a bulletproof pastor or something like that, that he's going to grow the church and they're expecting all these things. Church doesn't work that way, friends. If you want a social club, maybe. But if you want to grow church God's way, it takes every single one of us to do it. Now, I'm not asking you to be a theologian. Just share gospel. Invite your neighbor. Invite your friends, coworkers. I told my coworkers, I said, I invite you to church all the time. You guys don't come. I said, Cornet, we need two days off because you preach to us five days a week. <laughs> That's the time we get, we get to hear you more over there. Now, I just want to also make an announcement before we close in prayer. Before Pastor Craig passed away, he did have a sermon prepared that he wanted to share with the congregation, what the Lord put on his heart. Unfortunately, he never got the chance to deliver it. So next Sunday, we ask Marilyn to read it. Okay, so next Sunday, that will be a sermon. Now, I want to make it clear that Marilyn is not preaching. She's just going to read her late husband's sermon to us and what Craig wanted to share what God laid him on his heart to share with us, and he never got the chance to do it. And after that, I will pick up in the book of Philippians and kind of touch on some few subjects here and there. So I just wanted to give you guys an update on the preaching plan for the next four or five weeks. We'll go back to the book of Philippians. I'm so encouraged to see every one of you here today. We are a blessed church. And, and you know... Even though there's a few of us, we're not as big. Don't let that intimidate you. Please don't. You know, this may be bad, but a lot of you have stepped up due to the situation here at Grace. And my friends, to those of you that haven't, step up. Don't wait for something else. That tells me you guys already can do it. 
So why wait till it's absolutely necessary for you to step up? Step up. You think I was ever imagined preaching in English and all that kind of stuff? No. But I know it needs filled. I think Mike needs it filled. I didn't imagine myself preaching or doing what I'm doing. Sometimes I don't know. I'll be honest. But what I do know is when I hear the voice of God, when the Spirit tells me to do something, you better be obedient. Because if you read the story of Jonah, you're going to do whatever God's going to do anyway. So might as well go and not get disciplined, you know? So step up. Father, I pray that you empower your people to announce the good news that you brought to earth from the life of heaven. You sacrificed yourself for sinners. You've been raised from the dead and exalted as Lord of all creation. Empower us to live in the light of the gospel, declaring its truth in our words, in our actions. God, give us love for you, for love one another. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.